0: Greetings, and blessing, and welcome to each one. Good to be here this morning. Missed last Sunday, and uh, glad to be here. Good to see you, Jamie. Sitting there, it looks right to me. So, uh, bless you. We uh, have a lot of things to think about, I guess. A lot of privileges in our lives. This morning, the message, uh, the devotional there, I appreciated that, Stephen. Yeah, it was uh, the, the amazing gift of God is, is just uh, something we tend to take for granted too way too easy. And, uh, and that's, there was something, last Sunday, of course, we were at that funeral, uh, I think it was maybe Saturday afternoon at the viewing, I sat down beside an old acquaintance of mine Somebody I've known for many years since I was a young boy, and has quite a, had a quite a journey in his life already. A lot of, uh, yeah, he's been a very active person. On uh, also had a lot of failures. Uh, Times I think of him, maybe in, in uh, some similarities to King David, who was really was had a heart after the Lord, but found himself many times failing too, and uh, not being able to be what, or he allowed his flesh and so forth. But anyway, I sat beside this man a little while, and we were just visiting and, and just talking about the kingdom of God, and uh, you know, what uh, the work of the spreading the gospel, and then and being faithful, just talking about being faithful to the Lord. And, uh, <clears throat> and I don't know if I have the exact words, but he, he made the comment of, you know, that we really can't understand the mercy of God unless we understand our sinfulness, Our undoneness our you know our humanity we we, we don't understand and, and you know and, and you know two plus two equals four, so we would say yes, that's right, you know we if you can't you if you don't understand that you need mercy, you don't understand the mercy of God, that would make sense <clears throat> but as I pondered that and i and i and you know i've been just been on my mind, well, how do i know or how do i find myself, I mean, yeah, I want to, that, that, that's, that's very real to me. I want to grasp the mercy of God. I, I want to do that. I, that. That's important to me. It, it's something that, uh, and I'd like to portray that to others. I'd like for them, I want everybody to uh, experience the wonder of the grace of God. And, and I think I do. I think I know what that is. But then I wonder well do I or do I? How do I know how am i how can I be confident in in this that that the mercy of my concept and what I really understand about God my need for God and god's what God has done for me that that is completely real to me i'm human enough i'm a i'm a I'm a fixer person. I like to fix problems. I like to do things. When I see a problem, I like to do something about it. I like to just figure out what's wrong and do something about it and go on. And so that reality of who I am before God, that my sinfulness, my undoneness, and there's nothing I can do about that on my own, is a problem I need to so you know my tendency is well, okay, then I will do if I'll go to the Bible, I will find what I'm supposed to do, and I'll do that, and then that fixes it, or does it? how does this work <clears throat> and i'm not here this morning <laughs> with all the answers i'm i'm still i'm just thinking i'm 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 wanting to build i'm wanting to work on really learning to know the mercy of god you want, I'm going to read Psalm 103. It's got a 22 verses. If you want to follow along, you're welcome to do that. It says it's a Psalm of David. And I referred to David a little earlier as a man that I believe needed the grace of God. I believe he understood it in a level that maybe I am not able to quite understand. Well, I shouldn't say that. I think I am able to understand it to the level he did. But I don't know if I do. A man that loved the Lord, he wanted to do what was right. He sought after God with his whole heart. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Now this is the first question I have for you this morning. When did you feel like that? When did you feel like just crying out, saying, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul? You know, we're looking for, we're considering this this, this psalm in the light of David and his desire, I mean, his, his understanding of the mercy of God. And I not know, there might be other scriptures that are more fitting, but I found some interesting thoughts as I looked through this, and then I want to go on into uh, maybe a little bit of a different context, But but yeah, well, we'll get there in a minute. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. Now, I don't think David was writing. He 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 says this. Die. He does this. He does this to you. He you know he the Lord he forgiveth all thine iniquities and all thy trespasses and redeemeth thy life and crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies and he satisfieth thy mouth with good things. David is not writing this second person. He's not writing this in the light of of saying that he's doing it for you and that he's not experiencing it. What he's really saying is that he experiences this and God does this for him. And so remember what we're, trying, what we're looking at this morning here is we're, 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 we're grasping to understand the mercy of God. We're trying to grasp how deep the mercy of God is, how real it is, how how essential it is, and how much i how dependent we are on the mercy of God, and so he says these things: He forgiveth all thine iniquities, he healeth all thy diseases, he redeems thy life from destruction. He crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Then he goes on to verse six, the Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed and I want you to I want this to come in here that, uh, this, that this the thought as we think of the mercy of God, and here he's saying you know, he's he's putting this into the concept that God is executing, that the Lord executes righteousness and judgment for those that are oppressed. So He takes care of the oppressed, right? And He does, and I, and that's 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 you know that's all through the Scriptures. You know, there's, there's God has has always had a compassion and a heart for those who are oppressed and the poor and the widows and the lonely and the and the orphans and and uh, and so the oppressed. God has always been there for those. Isn't that one point, one sign that we would say, well, God, is merciful. How many of us have found ourselves in those places from our own undoing, our failures, or even just our, just life? Has brought us to these places where we need, where we need, where we are needy. We need something from God, but God says He, David says He executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Remember, we're thinking of the mercy of God. <clears throat> then he goes on. He says He hath made known His ways unto Moses, and His acts unto the children of Israel, and. Maybe we'll look at that a little bit more later. How did he do that? But he made, his, he made, his, he made known his ways to the Moses and in, in, in his acts and to the children of Israel. He, he guided them through the wilderness. We know the story. We know the account. We know how, what all that the children of Israel, uh, their journey and all the, you know, they sinned, they rejected God, they had to wander, they all, the, all the older ones had to die and the, the next generation, 40 years in the wilderness. Mm. He was making his ways known in that they were learning, they were finding, they were getting a greater understanding of the mercy of God. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the children pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. That's some tremendous words. As far as the heaven is above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He removed our transgressions from us. And we know the the uh, scientific or the way we people talk about that. We have a North Pole and a South Pole, so if He would have said, as far as the, east, the north is from the south, we could that would be a measurable distance. But the east from the west is not measurable. It just it goes on and on. We go east and we can keep on going east. We never come to the west pole and then we start going west. <clears throat> so that is that that is that is biblical and that is right and it's a good description as we think of the mercy of God. He compares the concept of a father as he pities his children. <clears throat> and it's it's the concept of protecting and the concept of providing. <clears throat> He knoweth our frame; he remembereth that we are dust. Goes on verse fifteen. As for man, his days are as grass; as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. So it talks about how short and how frail our life is. It's like grass, or as a flower of the field. The wind comes and goes. But the mercy of the Lord, verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. And here he's bringing this thought of, of mercy into this picture and it puts another perspective of it into, uh, would we say, some uh, conditions. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him. Okay? So that, that's a condition, right? And his righteousness unto children's children. Verse 18, to, keep, to such as, as keep his, com- his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. So we have some, we have, we, we have some conditions here of the fear of the Lord, of keeping his covenant which is his, his promise, our, uh, keeping our commitment. I believe that's the, the fear of the Lord. is talking about commitment, and it's talking about obedience. Remember that, his commandments, that we keep his commandments. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. <clears throat> the sovereignty of God. We can talk about the mercy of God we can talk about his love and we can talk about who he is but but in that we also bring into the picture we cannot we cannot divorce uh God from we can't divorce God's mercy from his holiness we can't divorce we can't separate those those are those are one for God's mercy to be the mercy that of the the true mercy of God it has to be a part of His holiness, and I think that's that's kind of one of the keys that we we find as we look into this question of you know or this thought this this comment that I'm I was, you started me thinking about this thing is that you know there's no way you know how can we we can't understand the mercy of God unless we understand our undoneness, our wickedness, our inability. But the reason that we are that way, the reason that 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 is a fact that we are undone is because God is holy. He's righteous and true. And we as sinners, because we have sinned and come short of the glory of God, there's no way for us to attain. There's no way for us to connect to that holiness. Unless. But for. Maybe that would be the right way to think it. But for the mercy of God. And you know, that's not new, is it? We've heard that. We all know that. We know we, we have to have we have to have we have to accept Jesus. We have to accept God. Do we know it here or do we know it here? And even if I know it here. I have to constantly keep working there, moving it from here to here, because I'm constantly trying to figure it out, and I try to somehow achieve or somehow win the mercy of God. There are conditions, isn't it? We found them here. But all those really are is a recognition. The, if when you, the fear of the Lord is a recognition of the holiness of God. Where am I at here? Fear of the Lord. Is, the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him and His righteousness unto the children's children, to such as keep His command covenant, and to those that remember His commandments to do them, <clears throat> unless we underst- unless we grasp that, and we, you know, we, that they we have to understand that in order to understand the mercy of God. I really believe that. <clears throat> Let's finish. I'm going to read the rest. The rest of this chapter is more just a blessing. Again, going back to as start off. Bless the Lord, on my soul. Bless the Lord, ye his angels. Well, I missed verse 19. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel, stre- excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Note, he's describing the angels of God. Ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, heartening under the voice of the Lord. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. <clears throat> Hebrews 8. And I'm not, I thought about reading it, but I'm going to. I don't think I will. I think I'll move on here. In Hebrews 8, it, it, the Hebrews writer is portraying the, the, uh, the new versus the old and how Christ came to fulfill uh, the Old Testament. How Christ came to fulfill the purposes there. And how that, that sacrifice and that law and, that, and what they had there was uh, was good in its time, but as an, as 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 Christ came, He fulfilled that. <clears throat> so, as I was thinking about this and understanding, so how did God in times past? Uh, you know, okay, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, what we what we tend to talk about and what we tend to think about when we think of. Of the uh, understanding, the mercy of God. Understanding and, and hopefully, I can get my thoughts together here and put them into what I'm trying to say. In the New Testament, when when we think about we 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 think about and this and then and I'm, Stephen, I'm not being negative. at All what you talked about this morning is exactly that. We talk about the gift of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we're and we're in that time of the year when we think about. Christ being born, and, and how that, that the tremendous gift, the, the sacrifice that He made, we, we think of His birth, we think of that as His sacrifice, He came, God gave Him, He was, he was willing to come from his, all the glories of heaven to be here on earth and, and live as a man and suffer and, and sacrifice, and then, then we see His death on the cross and the sacrifices there, that he, the, the sufferings of Christ and, and the tremendous gift that God gave us. Okay, that's right, that, that, that's, that gives us an example, that gives us, helps us to understand the grace of God and the mercy of God. We, didn't, don't, we don't deserve that, he did not do anything wrong that he had to do that, he was totally the mercy of God, the grace of God that, uh, that sent Christ down for us as mankind. We have sinned, so he suffered for us, right? Great example, great picture, we hear that a lot, and it's right Rightfully so. But this morning, my, my mind went to how did God try, how did God portray this to the children of Israel? How did they understand the grace of God, the mercy of God? You know, a man goes out, and he picks up sticks on on the Sabbath day, and we stone him. That's mercy, isn't it? That don't sound very merciful to me. That's a law. Mm. The people sin, and a whole bunch of snakes come and start biting people, and thousands of them die. Achan, they went in to destroy Jericho and they were told to destroy everything and then Achan decides he wants to take some stuff along home. He he took some stuff along home. He took it home and put it under a... and hid it in his tent. They stoned him and his wife and his children and his animals. And this morning we're trying to get a picture of the mercy of god we're trying to understand the mercy of god did god not want them to see that did they were they only trying was he only trying to show them how his holiness and that they have to obey him was that all that god was trying to show them in the old testament is that was is that is this concept of the mercy of God is, was all the law and all that was that just simply trying to to portray to the people the holiness of God and then Jesus comes and now we understand mercy because Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross and he gave his life for us and now we have mercy right <clears throat> Well no What about all the sacrifices the, the atonements and all the things that they were going through. So there's... But they had to understand the holiness of God. They had to have a concept of right and wrong or they would never understand the mercy of God. And so that's where the law was a schoolmaster. That's where the law came in and that's where what it was doing. It was teaching and and we can still see that today. There's there's that concept of right and wrong that we learn from because because of the law, <clears throat> but we are not under the law anymore. We are now under under grace under the Christ because Christ came and He fulfilled that law. And so what I'm going to do this morning, I'd like you know I'm doing it. I'm sure this is not new, but I would like for all our even the children. Maybe we can follow along here. I'm going to uh, draw something on the board if I can find a marker here. Yeah, we got a red one. That'll work, hopefully. <clears throat> I'm going to draw a picture. I'm not. am not an artist, and you all know that. Uh, I'm going to draw a design of the tabernacle. Uh, and, and and I I don't know enough about it, but I it is very intriguing. The account, the stories, you know, the the, the immense amount of detail and writing things that are written about the tabernacle. We're not going to go into all that, how they were supposed to build that, and uh, and how they were, you know, all the fine details on it. <clears throat> okay, so uh, let me see if I can write this. The tabernacle was built with a big outer court. I think I did this one other time here a couple years ago. <clears throat> I'm not sure what, what the subject was then or what exactly what I was trying to do. Okay, I I'm uh the tribe there was a twelve tribe. This was in the center, and when they were they were camping as they were traveling, there was like three tribes were over here, three tribes were up there, three tribes were here, and three tribes were down here. And so you that's the way they 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 camped. And you know, there was like a million people, so there was a lot of people around there. This was there was posts every so often, all the details, exactly how they were when they had to had made curtains, and then so this was an enclosed uh place, and then of course the children of Israel, as they moved, they had to take that down and put it back up, but there was there was doors in one end. The rest of it was closed up. And so nobody went in here just carelessly. This was this was a special place. This was the tabernacle courtyard, and then in the In the back corner, there was a little building or a tent, of course, which was, and that had two rooms. I should have made that a little bigger, maybe, because I've got to do a little, put a few things inside there. Okay, as you come in this door, the first thing, there was a big altar right in front front here. Uh, And then there was a a big basin of water right here. And so if you can imagine that, somebody, you know, this is this is where they offered all those sacrifices. You read about there in Exodus and Leviticus and all those places. There, they daily, all the time, they would they would you know they just they were constantly offering uh, all sheep and goats and ox uh, bulls and stuff on this on this on this altar here. Then then here was the basin that was a place to wash themselves. The priests had their washings. They had every so often they had to wash their hands. They had to wash this and they had to wash certain rituals of washing and we're not going to talk about all that. I mean there you there's lots of details it's interesting but I don't not I do not have that all together. Then then there then there's a of course there's a door here goes into the to the the most holy the, the this is the holy place here and as you come in here on let me see here make sure I get that right. one side yeah on the right side is the is the table of showbread, and on the left side is the uh, the, can, the, the golden candlestick. There's just like the, the you know, I'm sure you've seen the pictures of the all the, oh, the candlesticks and that was burning, and then in the middle here was the altar of incense. And there they would burn incense all the time. That was supposed to—that was part of the priest's job was to keep that going, twenty-four-seven. That was all going all the time. Mm. And that was, yeah. And then, then, then here was a curtain. And then this back here was the holy of holies. And in, the, in, and in there—I don't look right. Let me see if I can get a little bit straighter than that was the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. Now why do I draw that? Why do I bring that into the picture when I'm talking about trying to understand the mercy of God? <clears throat> Because God set up the, I mean, this, this this design and this putting this together was totally God's idea. It wasn't Moses' idea. It wasn't Aaron. God has gave Moses some very, very specific instructions how to build that. And they built it the way he told them to. And so he had a plan. And Ultimately, what God had in mind here was for them to understand His mercy. And in doing that, 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 was the end, that was His end goal, was for them to understand His mercy. But all this really, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, what it was really doing was telling them, Showing them, giving them a fear of God. Showing them the holiness of God. Giving them a concept of, of, the, of the holiness of God. And so that is my conclusion. As I, as I ponder this and as I look at this design here and as I think of how can I learn to understand the mercy of God is I have to understand the holiness of God. I will not understand my undoneness. I will not understand my need of the mercy of God unless I get a, at least a glimpse. I mean, I don't know if I can fully grasp, undergra- I can't fully grasp because of my, my humanity, but I have to grasp to at least a point the, the, the holiness of God. <clears> hmm <throat> So, as we think about that, <clears throat> what message? So we're, we're looking at this, the message of the tabernacle. Maybe that's the title of the message. The message of the tabernacle. Uh, I don't know, I'm not very good at titles, but I think that would be a, that would fit it. Because we're, we're talking about the mercy of God. We're talking about what the mas- message was there. It was So, <clears throat> okay. So if you're out here, and you're just you're you're just like like I am. I'm just a normal human being, and I live out in one of these tents are out here, and in here in the middle, there's this tent with the these walls all the way around it, the tabernacle uh, uh, courtyard, and then there's this tent in the middle. And I, I uh, there's probably a lot of questions about what has been behind there because I don't go in there. The Levites go in there. I don't think that the normal people w- went in here at all. If they did, it would be very, very, very rare occasions. Should have checked into that a little more, I'm not sure. But anyway, but the message is what we're going to get here. So the first thing we come to as we walk into this tabernacle is the altar of sacrifice, where they're sacrificing. They're sacrificing sheep. There's a fact of goats, oxen, I don't know what all that is. But the first message that we get in here is that we owe God something. We are sinners. We have to give him something. A few notes I have written down here. Man must come to God in repentance. Recognizing that we are sinners. The blood shed on this altar was a type of the blood of Christ shed on the cross for our sins. Without it, we have no hope of entering into the presence of God. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. The wages of sin is death. Only the perfect animal. Was, was was they took the perfect animals? They brought them in here and they sac- they killed them and they sacrificed them on this altar, reminding the people. The message is clear that we have a holy God, and we are we do not deserve to come here. We we the first thing we have to do is we come to repentance. We are we are recognizing the holiness of God. Where there's nothing there, you know, there's nothing for us. We, we can't. There's no other doors. There's no other way to get in here. We have to first come to this place of repentance, of acceptance. Mm. This is an extreme, uh, we well, might say even right up front here is a very extreme type or an example of who God is. And we can't get around it. Mm. And so that's, I think there's a message there. So we come to this altar, we accept that fact that we are sinners. We need sacrifice. <clears throat> One of the notes I have in here is that those those animals were, were, were perfect animals. I don't know where I got this, but it, it says an, an, it's an undeserving recipient of a deserving punishment. The children of Israel understood very well that they... That this was for them. This sacrifice, these animals were dying because they were sinners. Because they needed that connection with God. So they deserved the punishment. I deserved the punishment, right? And an undeserving little sheep or an undeserving little innocent little goat or a cow, Bullock, was sacrificed because I deserved a punishment. Got it? an undeserving recipient of a deserving punishment. Now, isn't that Christ? So the tabernacle, the altar here, and this whole concept of sacrificing, God was trying to tell them something. They needed to understand that they were condemned, that they failed, they were sinners, and so they they made sacrifices to a holy God to with a claim for mercy, because they did not deserve it <clears throat> and so they we have the altar, and so we have this message: the next place they come to is the is the is the the laver or the basin, the water, and that's for cleansing. so <clears throat> we need cleansing there's a holy God in the holy of holiest and so we are that's the direction we're going we're trying to get there and we want to meet God we want to have a relationship with God and so we 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 come to the altar of repentance we come to the altar of recognition of our sins and we come to the altar of the blood that was shed and the, to to wash us and to free us and so we move forward to the cleansing and so we wash ourselves in the blood of Christ and so we 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 are recognizing that we have sinned we have come short of the glory of God and we and we wash ourselves and we wash uh, you know, our souls through the blood of Christ. We accept that. <clears throat> and then we move forward. And here we are in front of the door moving into the, 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 the holy place. <clears throat> now here it was only the priests, and so the priests would come in here. Now today we, uh, we, we can, you know, this is, this is a type of Christ. And as we come to Him, and we can come to Him in that way of ourselves, we we are we are kings and priests if we come to repentance and cleansing, uh, those measures. So we come here, and right inside the door to our right is a table with bread, food. Mm. Jesus said, "I am the bread of life." We use those, well, that's kind of our communion messages usually. <clears throat> but there it is. Provision. You see where I'm going? We're trying to understand mercy. We understand why, you know, the mercy of God. We can't go here. The, the mercy seat is back here. I didn't say that yet. But it is. The mercy seat is back here in this holy holies. Nobody goes in there except the priest once a year to sprinkle blood for the atonement of the people. And what, he really, what, what that is saying then is that he's asking for mercy. He's asking, he goes to the mercy seat and he sprinkles blood on the mercy seat. And that, that's, that's, that's an atonement. He's, he's looking for the atonement for the people because they need that mercy so they have this altar, they have this washing then they come in here and here's on the right side is the showbread. God provides Jesus said I am the bread of life See, all this is pointing to Jesus and he, and he provides for us and he, and he makes a way for us that was a provision for the priests and there was, a, there was you know, the types there but it was pointing to Christ and on the left side is the, the candlesticks that's the light jesus said i am the light of the world and so the the message is so the, all this was god cared so much for these children of Israel out here and jesus and he promised them that he would send them a savior and though this savior wasn't going to come for another long time and these people would never even be able to live that long they looked they pointed forward and christ was giving them this concept of the plan of salvation under the law they were living there if they messed up went out and picked up sticks on the sabbath day they got stoned <clears throat> and they knew that they saw it happen in front of them it was very public and so they were desperately trying to not do anything that would bring make them get stoned and so they were they you know they they yeah, they lived in fear. They didn't know how to. So, but we don't have to. We have this altar. We have this labor. We can. walk well, we have Christ came to, and died for us, and He was that sacrifice, and He He died for us. And we have this this the blood of Christ here in this labor, where we can wash ourselves, and we can be completely free, and we can walk in here. And inside here is the bread, the the bread of Christ, you know, the, the bread of life and the light of life. And then there's this incense is a continual, uh, and, and that's referred to as the prayers. Our relationship, our, our, our communication with God is as an incense. It goes as a sweet savor unto the Lord. The priests constantly added a, a, all kinds, of whatever it took to keep this incense burning and kept that burning 24 hours a day. And uh, all those things were there to help them understand the message that they needed what was here. And that hasn't changed. The Ark of the Covenant is no more. We have nobody seen it for a long time. I don't personally think we're going to need it anymore because I believe Christ has provided for that here is a veil here was a veil and like I said once a year I understand they said that the person the priest that went in there uh, was actually tied a string to himself so that if he would happen to die something would happen to him in there the others could pull him back out because nobody else was allowed to go back in there or they would die too so this was a tremendously holy place of course, when they had to move it, there were certain rituals and certain ways they nobody ever touched that thing. They'd had little stays little when they built it, they built little loops in the corners and they had long stays and Then when they wanted to move it, the tabernacle had to be moved. they had to pick up those the 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 ark by those stays and carry it. certain people, the priests and there was a cleansing ritual to go through before they did that. You know the story of David how they tried to move it on the back of an ox cart and and uh and that was not, that's not the way you moved the ark. And so when Uzziah reached out to steady it on the ox cart, uh, God smote him, it says. <clears throat> but, yeah. Okay, the, the Ark of the Covenant in the back, that, and, and on top, inside the Ark of the Covenant was, the, was the, t- the, the tables of stone that Moses had, or God had written on them. It says there were three things in there. It says a stone tablet's, a jar of manna, and Aaron's rod. Now I found it interesting, I, I, I don't think I realized that, but I was reading and it says in the temple, when, when, when Solomon built the temple and it's the account of how when they put the ark into the temple when they took the uh, covenant, ark of the covenant and put it into the temple it says that the only thing that was in it was the, was the stone tablets. Uh, if I understood that correctly. I don't know what happened to the bowl of manna and Aaron's rod. Now, you know, during that time frame, it was like 400 years from the time of this until the time of David and Solomon. Well, probably closer to 500, actually, the time that Solomon built the temple. And, you know, it was in the hands of the Philistines for a while, and, and so I don't know. But, uh, yeah, maybe I should do a little more. But that's what it just said. It said what was what in it was the stone tablets, and that's, that's all, that, that was all that was in it. So, but in... in, in uh, Exodus, there it says there was those three things were in it. But what I, to, to, to get my message clear is on top of the Ark of the Covenant was the, was the was the uh, mercy seat. It was actually kind of built like a seat, I believe, and then they had the two seraphims with their wings spread out over the top of it. And and one of the things that we want to note. Uh, what it's important that we understand that in the in the bottom was the was the law, the stone tablets, and the mercy seat was on top. So when the when the priest came in here with this blood, the law was underneath, was in, that, uh, was in there. Thou shalt not. And if thou wilt, you know, we're gonna stone you. And on top of there was the mercy seat. And the mercy seat. Was, our, was their hope. Let's put it that way. We'll say it was their hope. That's why God recognized that and, and so he was having mercy. They deserved death. They were sinners. Even though they did all this, they did all this, all these things were here. The reality was the law condemned them. And it was totally the mercy of God that he just didn't destroy them all. The fact is he... Almost did. And that hasn't changed. For you and I, it's still all exactly the same. We are still all sinners. We are still all, the law is there. And if it would not be for the mercy of God, we are without hope. We're condemned. The law, but the mercy of God made that difference. That gave the children of Israel, that's why all these things made a difference and it it gave them a chance. God recognized their efforts and what they did here. But but the reality of it is that all of these things were a type and were an example of Jesus Christ. And so today, when I look at this picture, what I see is Jesus Christ. And so when I think of the mercy of God that, that that, that frees me from the condemnation of the law... It's not because I have sacrificed a a goat every day or an ox every day. It's not because I washed my hands. It's not because the showbread was there put in every fresh every every so often and that these candles were all burning and that this incense is burning 24 hours a day. The reality is, is because the mercy of God is there through Jesus Christ. And he made the sacrifice. And he gave me the cleansing. And he gave me the, the light and the bread. He's the light of the world. He's the, he's the bread of life. And he's the, And in a, here we are. And so I can claim the mercy of God this morning. Because of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what God was trying to tell those people. But I, unless I grasp... See, the picture they got, that was so real. That was, a real, that was quite a picture. Uh, and it was a reminder. Every, every, as they got up in the morning, that, that tabernacle was right in the center of the camp. And they could smell, the, and the smoke was going up from the altars. You can imagine what that smelled like. And then there was this incense smell coming out of here. And then there was these priests, and they were uh, working there and making those sacrifices, and those people knew. That God was a holy God. They forgot it sometimes. They tend to rebel. They were human like you and I are. But the picture was very vivid. Mm. And that's why it's important for you and I to consider our hearts and to consider our humanity and to recognize Jesus Christ as all this. And it's because of what he did for us. And, and and as we as we ponder that, and as that that those truths become more and more real to us, and we grow into it. We don't I don't understand it all. I'm hoping to learn more. I want to get a better and better grasp. And and young people and all of us here, you know, it, it's a growing experience to, to grasp and understand the mercy of God. But allow that to become real to you. Allow that to speak to your heart, recognizing the importance or the, just, just the, the depth of who we are. <clears throat> in the Old Testament, we've got Exodus. Well, some of that is history. Well, we have Leviticus and we have Numbers and we have Deuteronomy. And again, there, there's some history mixed in there, but there's a tremendous amount of instructions and teachings and directions for them to help them understand the holiness of God and to understand why they have to do all this. In the New Testament, we have some clear teaching of how we are to late to these things. Is this a law to us? We have the Gospels that tells us about Christ. We have Christ's teaching that tells us how to live. We have... Paul's teachings, and Peter, and John, and all those writings we have. And the heart of it is that we would grasp the holiness of God. We would and get a grasp of the understanding of right and wrong and realize that without the mercy of God we have nothing. We're lost. We're not going to achieve that on our own. It ain't going to happen. But because of the mercy of God there's hope for us. There's grace. There's 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 something different. and it's because, and it's all through the through the through Christ, and it all pointed there, and that's <clears throat> that's exactly what it was intended for. I've heard it been said that this, if you if you look at this, maybe I should. Where's my marker? <clears throat> you take this and this. What do you have? a cross. And it was all speaking of Christ. I just marvel. And of course, I shouldn't have to. I mean, of course God can do all that but it's just so amazing to me as i look at the old testament uh and how god pointed everything to christ and how christ is a total and fulfillment of god's plan and purpose how everything went there he didn't just take one step at a time well maybe this would be a good idea for next for the next generation no All the way back there, and I believe before the beginning of time, God had a plan. Why? Because He loves us, and His mercy is available. He has mercy on us, and so He's providing for us in Jesus Christ. So on my heart this morning, this message was for me to grow and to learn and for all of us to just be reminded. <clears throat> and I think that's we think of well, I think that's where it fitted in very well with the devotions this morning. The ultimate gift is Jesus Christ. And the reason that we have we were give we have been given that gift is the mercy of God. We don't deserve that. As that truth becomes real to us. We will understand the love of God. And we will we will be able to it'll make a difference in the way we relate to God. Let's put it that way. I well I know it does. So may God help us today. May we each one of us continue to seek after God, recognize our need of mercy, and thank God for it. Let's kneel for prayer.